and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast. My name is Ryan. My name is Michael. And my name is Galen. And, uh, and yeah, these are two of our special guests with us today, Michael Elliott and Galen Peugeot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, today, talking with us about their upcoming Zine Quest project that is going to be Fealty. Uh, before we get to Fealty, though, um, Michael, Galen, um, who who the heck are you guys? Why why should people know who you are? Um, especially considering like the stack of games I have by one or both of you here next to me. Um, let, let's just start with Michael. So Michael, like what 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 would people know you from for for past things that you have created? Uh, yeah, well, I'm Michael Elliott. I'm a writer and game designer. I have made. Uh, single player games and games with strong anti-capitalist themes so you might know me from a torch in the dark or uh neon black or the fall of house prosh uh nasty brutish and long i'm literally just trying to name things that ryan might have on hand right now and merger yeah merger uh weekly scroll was one of the first uh people that like rated merger like had it on the stream and that was really cool yeah merger was um, great merger was actually um my opinions on blades of the dark are well known um yep. <laughs> uh but uh merger is it was just a great game and honestly one of the early uh forged in the dark games that i picked up and read and then realized oh this is forged in the dark but you know taken to a, a different kind of direction it was Super fun. I think that was one of our earlier reviews, too. It was really um, su super fun game. I really, really... I mean, that's the one that was like, I need to follow this person for the rest of the stuff that they write. So that was a great one. Nice. Thank you. Uh, fun fact, Merger is the only game that my mom has played that I've made. <laughs> so it's no, I don't even know if my mom knows I have a podcast. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Galen. Um... Mm -hmm. Same question. Like, what, what, what would people know you from? Like, what should they have in their collections from Galen Peugeot? Uh, you might have something from me already because I've jobbed it as an illustrator on a lot of indie games, mm -hmm. um, character sheets for things as big as uh, Starforged, and as little as, well, the free stuff I give away on my site. But uh, I've let's see, uh, Dead Belt. I illustrated Stoneburner, a game of space dwarves and space mines fairly recently. Oh, excellent. I don't even have a copy of that yet. I'm jealous. And uh, gosh, I can't even list it. Um, so rather than that, more than the on design end, I like to make games about communities primarily and anything that lets me draw uh, robots that haven't been drawn before. So the, in things that I've done, you've got, I believe, a copy of the facility, my most recent yes. project. If I can find it, I, it's somewhere yes. in the in the plethora, but I can't I can't quite get my hands on it. It's perfect that it would be lost, though, because it's a game of amnesiac scientists trying to escape an insane mechanical labyrinth. Yes, that one. And uh, also Crash Cart, a game of uh, near future cyberpunk paramedics, which I'm hoping to get uh, revisit sometime this year once we've gotten through Guilty. Gotcha. Crash Cart is one of my absolute favorite Forge of the Dark things. It's awesome. We, yeah, we met kind of geeking out about each other's projects mutually because Torch in the Dark really spoke to me on a really fundamental level. I didn't think anybody could do solo uh, Forge in the Dark, but Michael nailed it. Thank you. 
both of you seem to uh, have a lot of forged in the dark stuff. I guess what what draws you both to uh, to that mechanic? I guess or that that system subsystem. For me, uh, it was I don't know. Blades of the Dark was the game that kind of brought me back into RPGs in a way. Because, like, I got started with, like, a 4th edition D&D campaign years ago. And that lasted, like, seven years. And I had to take a break after that and be like, I need to not be in a fantasy world for a, a minute. <laughs> and But I eventually, like, played in some 5th edition games, ran a couple games, but then started to branch out into, like, uh, indie stuff. Like, um like fiasco and like the quiet year and stuff like that. And I saw blades and played through it. And I was like, wow, this is everything I wanted in role-playing games and didn't know you could do like characters that not only like advance in levels, but advance in like <clears throat> complications and like um, personality changes and quirks and like this living breathing world that reacts to the characters and really interesting fiction first mechanics and also you can just make your own version if you want the srd was free online so um yeah that coupled with like having like a really weird creative block at that time in life with creative writing i wanted to make things but i could not face writing stories so making games is like a happy little medium spot so yeah i've just i've fell in love with it and it's just kind of my go-to thing when i want to think of game design and making games like it's just such a great template so it's weird we never talked about it but it was very much the same sort of thing but on the art end that mm. back when uh, blades was getting run up for its kickstarter uh i had a newborn and had a lot of sleepless late nights on uh just hanging around, like holding a baby and hang, uh, being on G plus and reading about RPGs, which I had also taken a long break from. And just the way that John Harper was synthesizing game mechanics and just and the fiction of his world and the integration of that with his system of layout and the whole thing was just like a uh, a light opened up in the way it could be done and how games could be made. And it was I started doing fan art on G plus, and that's what brought me back into illustrating, or really started me illustrating because I hadn't really done anything artistic in almost a decade at that point. And it was just so much fun, and everybody in those communities was just so nice that it just kind of slowly dragged me in, and now here I am doing it and making a living on it. There we so, go. You all are just the the best indie gamers out there. I love you all. I would have to make something to be included in that. I just critique them, so I'll 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 take that. But um, but it's so you said you guys had when the stream started. You said you guys have never. So you worked on this. You've known each other for quite a while at this point, but I've never actually met in person or 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 even had a conversation. What um, how did you work as long? I guess had, know each other as long and not like sit down and do that. Just life gets in the way, or or and and then to kind of merge that into another question um what was the impetus to finally get together to work on this project that we're going to be talking about in just a moment uh so yeah well like like we said before like we've been kind of fans of each other's work for a while i've been kind of like checking with each other like i feel like it was like at least a couple times a year one of us would be like hey i have this like cool idea is this cool and the other was like yeah that's awesome it's like cool do you want to like 
should we do something with it? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't really have the time. Don't have other thing. And like, we've done like work exchanges before. Like I did a client for um, Crash Cart. Then mm-hmm. Galen did a uh, cover for a game, which um, <clears throat> I still haven't released, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we done a lot of stuff like that, like training ideas, like kind of like hyping each other up. We like flirted a lot with the idea of doing something together eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day Galen messaged me, he's like, hey, have you ever read Wolf Hall? I was like, no, I, I haven't. He explained it's like this this fictional telling of um, like the court of King Henry VIII and Thomas Cromwell and how he rose from like basically being uh, a poor like blacksmith's boy in the streets of London to basically running England. Mm-hmm. And like there might be a game in there. I was like, uh, okay, sure. So I read it and I was like, yeah, let's let's fucking do it. So. Yeah, it was just kind of like right place, right time. Zion Quest is right around the corner, so mm-hmm. it is. Uh, it's very game brained to read such a magnificent novel, and I hope appreciate it, but also at the same time think, wait a sec, that guy's a protagonist. That's a PC. Like, <laughs> I can see yeah. where this mechanic can immediately spring out, and so I had a lot of very, very abstract, scatterbrained ideas about chess pieces and tokens and. Uh, not much in the way of mechanics. I am, I'm okay at mechanics at best. I much prefer to be thinking about the worlds and the people inside of them. And I knew that Michael was absolutely the one for that because every one of those games that we listed earlier have just got a very clean throughput of mechanics to them. They're a lot of fun to play. So yeah, it seemed to be the right idea at the right time. Yeah, and it it sounds great. So what's so what is what is fealty then? What's what's the pitch? Like I know you just said about the the Cromwell uh, novel and whatnot, but like what what game is that now becoming? Hmm. It uh, is. Oh, go, yeah, ahead, go ahead. No, no, you you go first. I've been going first all the time. All right, time. fair. Um, I've never actually done one of these interviews before, so I'm trying to let Michael show me show me the way. Uh, I usually prefer to let the art just exist than to talk about it, but the game is everybody who is playing is primarily a somebody else not of noble birth who has been elevated to a royal court through their skills, their charms, their accomplishments. And they are various forms of kind of Thomas Cromwell's or other Renaissance and Tudor archetypes, kind of Shakespearean characters. The monarch is represented by a deck of cards and is just an all too human and fallible individual presenting all sorts of whims and problems to the court. And so the players are stuck in this unfortunate rock in a hard place situation between a king or queen making unreasonable demands and being just an absolute selfish piece of work. And then the needs of the entire kingdom below them that they have to run, which they have a foot in both of those worlds. And so it just seemed like there was a lot of dramatic juice to be gained from that. That's who you are in that game. Does that sound right with you? Yeah, basically. Um, It is is fundamentally based on the um, belonging outside belonging system Mm -hmm. by Avery Alder. So from like Dream Apart, Dream Askew, um, Galactic 2E, which is like a great Star Wars take on it. Um, And yeah, it's basically just about, it is very much like fiction first about inhabiting these characters and like kind of world building as you go. And like I said, kind of being stuck with this monarch who has 
different whims on any given day that might run counter to what the the country needs or what the courtiers can even do um there could be questions like succession or like weird magical weapons of mass destruction or uh you know the monarch gets hyper focused on the fact that like they went through a tour through the capital and there was a bunch of poor people and can you all just do something about that please <laughs> you know meanwhile you all know that like everyone's starving there's an army marching on the nation and you know stuff like that so it's very much like trying to imagine what it's like to be these people in this possible situation and like keely like because is very much uh influenced by wolf hall like all these people are not noble born these are all like commoners who have been elevated because of their achievements or because of where they happen to be at the time and so they're trying to navigate this space and we're trying to like provide the mechanics and the set pieces to like really highlight uh the, like the high drama almost like shakespearean aspects of that of just being like yeah in this impossible place trying to manage your own life trying to manage a whole country and just following the themes and the stories that can arise from that basically and that also sounds... saying uh fuck you to the monarchy basically it's a very yeah. important point i think <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the whole I couldn't help but think why don't they just grab henry and stick him in a sack and throw it in the Thames? <laughs> right <laughs> It was unimaginable in that time. Not it was like in the same the way that we get caught into our own systems and are completely blinded by the boundaries that we set within ourselves. That was very clearly part of what Cromwell was experiencing in that book. And you could, we wanted to kind of present why that would be, how that would be, how you could feel that experience of being in that tiny little community and bound by these sort of invisible laws. Yeah. So I haven't read Wolf Hall, but like that that. Um kind of piece in fiction i assume often based on cromwell of like this king who's just kind of fucking around or doing whatever or like just and then the people that are actually running things mm -hmm. um you're like yeah that is such a gameable like moment i guess uh it is really interesting that i haven't even heard of a, a game that would do something like that or be in that context of this backdrop of like you said, this multifaceted, like you have to do what the king is saying, you have to often run the country, but if, you know, bringing a personal life into it too, that's such a, a heavy um, spot to be in. And like you said, complete, super gameable. Um, and I love the, uh, on the fealty banner, you have like the the pawns all in a circle and then it's making a crown with a shadow. That's such a good imagery of like everything so that you're talking about. Good. It's so good. But Sue is going to show that to you. I was like, what the, f are, what? Not the. It turns out I'm not the first person to have thought of it, but it's a really it fits so well for what we're aiming for that I had yeah. to delay with it. So there, you may find it out that if you search for that, you can find other people that have done so many things with chess pieces. But that's why they make such good tokens for this. They're inherently. I love making games that can use stuff you have around the house already that aren't just polyhedrals. That is definitely. Yeah. Speaking of tokens, so the, there are tokens in this game. I know you just said there are chess pieces. So um, if, if people are playing the game, like what uh, what do the tokens have to do with the game or how are they used in the context of playing the game? I, I know you had mentioned a deck of cards as well. Yeah, so the tokens are kind of like the currency of like your, your move set. So like when you're trying to like influence things at court or like have your way or like... Um, put your mark on the fiction in some way, usually spending a token, and those are represented by uh, the pawns. Or you're gaining tokens when you make like a back foot move, which is like B3 
being kind of annoying or like distancing yourself from the monarch, stuff like that. And then each player also has uh, two of the other pieces, like the rooks or whatever. Uh, one of it represents their place at court and specifically how close they are to the throne. So there'll be like a court sheet that'll keep track of like uh, how many resources there are in the kingdom and also um, how like how much in favor you are with the monarch. And so the closer your piece is to the throne, you'll get like bonuses, like you'll get um, more tokens each round. or And you will also be kind of expected to attend to the monarch's random whims um, with like plans of action. <clears throat> and then also, so because there's two of every like piece in the chess set, you have like the two castles, two rooks, two bishops. I'm trying to remember chess pieces now and for some reason i can't um the other one is this token you start with and that specifically represents like your favor which could like literally be like um like a seal or like a promise or a vow and you spend those as tokens but they also kind of like because they are unique you can kind of track them as they move between player and player and like they can kind of represent like favors you've called in and stuff like that um and yeah, that's basically what the tokens are. You can use other stuff. Like I think chess set was a great um, uh, shout out by Galen because like uh, one of the reasons I like the Blades of Dark and Forge of the Dark system is because relies on D6s. Pretty much everyone has six-sided dice. But also pretty much everyone has a chess set, right? Like mm -hmm. you might not have used it in a while. Um, and if you don't, they're really cheap to get. And even if you can't get those things, like you can use poker chips, you can use dice, you can use other things. But like it also does put you in the mind of like strategy and like trying to think, you know, someone moves ahead and like, you know, the great game and stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's the same with the playing cards as somebody who's been quite fixated on them. the art on your current, like your bicycle deck of cards, what we think of as the standard deck, those portraits really solidified right around the time period we're talking about. And it's just weird. It's another relic that's been kind of caught with us and carried on down through the years since then. Yeah, I mean, and if you're gonna do a game about court, um, there's really aren't there there are really aren't two better things to have than a chess piece, which is literally like the members of like court and royalty and everything. And then like you said, like a deck of cards where the faces are literally royalty. So I can imagine that not only the what the pieces themselves do like you said michael about like um like moving like keeping getting your head in a strategic standpoint um but also just the fact that there is that kind of like artistic bend to it as well it's a multifaceted have those specific tokens into a game about this so those are I'm, I'm excited to to see how it feels to have those on the board as well as the game um and then the illustrations, because so next to me, um, there's running this this thing that's got, you know, the, the art and what going through. So talk to me about those and also these gilded pages. That's They're so good. They're so fucking good. <laughs> it is turning out pretty well. We're uh, I've been wanting to do a big art book for a long time. And uh, coming off the last two games I did were very black and white and very uh, gloomy and heavy. If you've opened the facility, it's it's dark. 
And so it's just so nice to uh, just roll out something that just has all the colors of the rainbow and to just spend a few hours in the evening digging around museum gallery sites and looking at all those great uh, Goya paintings from those from the courtrooms, from uh, Hans Holbein, who did painted in the Henry era, and all the books of hours and books of days that the royals would have in those days, kind of the, the tail end of the illuminated manuscript era. So we really wanted to make something that had a bit of that sort of storybook vibe a little bit of that like actual artifact from the the period and a little bit like just a uh, like a glossy pamphlet from a museum exhibition so every art piece is the royal court painting of that character and every page is going to be a slightly unique in some way or another uh presentation of that uh vines and flowers curlicue that may have gone by by this point and hopefully as many pieces uh pages as possible have a weird medieval guy because I've been wanting to draw those guys forever. And so if you have any good weird medieval guys you'd like to recommend right now, Ryan, I'm I'm all ears. I can we can put one in. I I wish. You know, there's a there's a Twitter that I follow somewhere and all they do is post medieval monsters and it's a fantastic mm -hmm. fantastic oh, yeah. follow. I, it might even be medieval monsters, but it's something like that, but they they find all the weird like the like you know things in there like the devils poking people in the buttholes and stuff, you know, like just the you know what what kept people occupied i guess back in the time um but uh but yeah excited it looks they look absolutely stunning the piece that i've seen and yeah they're all rolling through here with like the hat the the split and one is a full page illustration and then the other side has a gilding it looks absolutely stunning the game looks gorgeous um yeah i was putting together uh some preview layouts like last night actually and like it wasn't until I was doing that and putting the test, I was like, holy shit, this game's gonna look amazing. Damn. Yeah, also, no, there's it, it... not a lot of room for my words, so I'm gonna start cutting stuff. <laughs> more pages. We're talking about maybe widening up the box. I, I, I should no, make... no more pages. This is the problem. <laughs> Ryan, you don't understand. This has been a constant back and forth between me uh, and Galen throughout the entire project being like, Galen's like, hey, we can make it like a big book. It could be like 70 pages. Like, Galen, no, it has to be a zine. It has to be like 48 pages. We can do this. <laughs> hey, listen, technically zine max is what, like 73? I'm just saying. Um... It'll be a weird fat thing that sits funny on your shelves, pushing all the other zines away from it, but it technically can be stapled <laughs> together. Um, uh, one of the other aspects of the game is playbooks. Um, talk to me about those. Are those like, I know Blades and et cetera, et cetera, is of the PBGA genealogy. Is it like that or how, how do they come into to play as far as the, the game goes? Yeah, so I think those five or six the mm -hmm. moment um and they are like the people you expect to be at the court of a monarch so you have like um the ink pot which could be like a lawyer or like uh like a scribe or like maybe even a poet um you got the fool um some sort of like doctor slash occultist person um and basically each one describes like the various um the positions you would hold and like a suite of moves and relationships and context you can use to define the world um so we try to do like very light on world building where we imply that there is a big like fantasy world out there but it's mostly up to the players to describe like what they want to highlight or like if you even just want to like put in your own fantasy world you already have you can pretty much sub in whatever you want um 
but yeah, there is like different nations and like magic is kind of like a recent thing. Hints of like there was a cataclysm in the past and magic suddenly appeared and like all sorts of shit happened because of that. Um and so you'll have like possessions you can mark and relationships that kind of define your character's signature looks that couldn't like just be a guy or like someone that has antlers and a bunch of fur. Or maybe you're a bird. Uh and yeah, a lot of the moves are like I said before, like ways you gain and spend tokens, uh trade tokens between players that usually have to do with your area of expertise. Like the ink pot is mostly about like laws and stories and like keeping track of debts and stuff like that um and also everyone has a sort of revolutionary move which is kind of like possible end game possible hey we've had enough of this damn monarch because <laughs> like when galen first pitched this i was looking through the notes i was basically kind of the opinion i was like at some point you're gonna get sick of these motherfuckers right like at some point, you're going to be like, okay, enough is enough. We have to do something about this. This um, is something that has historical precedence. Uh, yes. <laughs> Speaking of Cromwell's. Um, and so, yeah, I literally had like a little bit in my notes be like, what to do when you're sick of the monarch? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's translated is like a revolutionary move. So the ink pot can like, if you can match like hoard a bunch of tokens and resources, you can spend them all at once. And they say, okay, I am rewriting the laws of Kier, this like fantasy nation where it takes place in. And I ask you what your question is like, okay, who who is left out? Who does this benefit? Who suffers? And like majority of moves is only about like spending or gaining a single token at a time. Revolutionary moves is like 10 tokens, which means like you have to take significantly not only from the other courtiers at court, but like from the nation itself. Like you are draining it of resources to do this thing. Um, so that works as a possible like end state for the game, or like maybe that's the end of your first season, and you can like see what happens afterwards. But it the game needed a way, I think, like a release valve to basically be like, hey, we're we're done. Like it's time for the guillotine. It's time for whatever the hell. Like we need to make major reforms so like the nation can still survive and people can still survive. So, Just like real life. Really excited about that. Yeah, exactly. Just like real life. And it will come with a cost, much like in real life. So there will probably be players who will find themselves in that uncomfortable position of, well, maybe we should just put somebody else on the throne. It, like we've created all these fictional people and we're endeared to them now. It'd be a shame to see the streets run with blood. I can tell that if Michael and I were playing, we would probably be bouncing off each other a bit already on that too. That is, I'm definitely down to overthrow the monarchy, but oof, you say you want a revolution. Yeah, I think uh, I'd, I'd lean towards Michael's camp. I think we'd be 2v1 there. Um, <laughs> My passive so, is holding me back. Apologies, fellas. Um, one thing you said during, during that is this magical cataclysm, right? So mm -hmm. what uh, made you want to put... Um, like magic and more fantasy kind of aspect into a game that feels like a lot more political intrigue and well, like that. Was there just like another element to like the character creation or does magic like come in a, a lot into the gameplay itself and you wanted to pull that in? What was the impetus for, for bringing that in? Um, for me, it was like the first bits of art Galen was sharing was very much of like fantastical people. So it was like, you know, humans as we understand it, but it was also like a bird that had a great hat uh, and like 
uh like the art for the champion is like a horse guy who like is doing his best and i love him dearly and so it's kind of like just assumed that like it would be like it is like kind of like 1500s england but there's magic so you can like be a bit more fanciful um i also feel like that gives a little bit of a remove from history so that people can feel like they can play around a lot more um, and also I think, um, this is one of the reasons I like cyberpunk so much is because a lot of it is like, if the level of technology rises to that extent, suddenly the poor and the rich are on a little bit of more of an even playing field. And in fantasy, I think that's also true. Like if magic is suddenly in the mix, then people don't have to put up with the nobles bullshit anymore. Right. Because if that, it depends on your magical system, but like if the level of power is like even that way it can like let people like our courtiers have a lot more leeway in like managing things. And also is like fun to like hint that like, Hey, there used to be like a huge empire and this emperor and the cataclysm happened and that shattered. And now there's a Republic nearby that doesn't have a monarchy or like a, a much different hierarchical power structure. And that's starting to like influence how things might happen in Kier. Like you might have friends or from the Gantz Republic, and like they're talking about like you know elections and shit like that. And that again puts more pressure on this hierarchical um, monarchy, which depending on like how you play fealty, might be the only monarchy in the world left after the Cataclysm, right? Right. So it kind of like gives players a bit more freedom. That's also just like I'm sure again, be like it's fun to draw horse guys and birds with awesome hats, right? That's part. Well, that's certainly part of it. I won't lie. I do love to put a hat on a bird. There's, it's just one of the rarest joys of being an illustrator. But it also, there's a thing that happened when I was making a crash cart and was testing it out with people is that most people did not know enough about being a doctor to really feel like they had a lot to say. And it caused yeah. a lot of players to clam up if they, because most of us have not worked as EMTs. I haven't worked as an EMT. So reading a lot of medical journals doesn't make you get you there and it doesn't put you in the shoes of that thing. But when you can glue some uh, cyberpunk around it, that gives a lot of people license to draw from the materials that they know. And you can kind of speak to them in the nerd world that they live in. And I'm hoping by including the more fantastical elements, in addition to everything that Michael just said, and giving everybody uh, freedom to play around in their own earth, their own world, we, by throwing in wizards and talking animals, you're communicating with the players. This is a this is something you can put your hooks into if you, for example, have not read Wolf Hall or have not spent a, a lot of time in Renaissance studying Renaissance politics. I don't know that anybody needs to go read Machiavelli before they play this. Wouldn't hurt. But I don't think it's it should, it, we should let it it gives them a fantasy world that is familiar enough that they can grab onto that part. Mm -hmm. okay. I, it makes sense. I mean, especially the part that you said about um setting it aside from history a little bit because i think there could be some people that are a little bit tentative to really play in in specific specific historical things um as opposed to a little bit of a generalized so it's it's nice to um shift it into more of a story place than uh than a historical place um but yeah, it, 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 the the mechanics all just in general. This is one of the other things I really like about um, Michael, your work, and obviously Galen, your 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 work as well. But it's the I know you specifically said Michael about the mechanics is the the clean through lines of everything. Like especially when I first read um, Merger, 
it was just that's one of the things is it just feels very clean like all the mechanics really speak to itself all the mechanics reinforce so many aspects of play um so it's just a really uh it's a really nice thing that you have in your kind of repertoire of 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 mechanical uh knowledge just this consistent uh um clean elegance to to game design and i don't know some of that comes from i mean i love so here's the thing blades is not my favorite game i think that's the nicest <laughs> thing i'll say about it and but i love forged in the dark games i absolutely love them like i was i've i love forged in the dark stuff and then i read blades and was like how did this have this um <laughs> but um it is the the core dice mechanic uh, is one of the things I really do love about it. Um, so do you think there's anything that you I know you said Blades kind of pulled you back in. Do you think there's anything about like the elegance of the Blade system that you feel you incorporated into your overall game design concepts? Or um, is it just like an attention to detail that keeps everything kind of like um, a simple but not in a bad way, you know, like clean and, and, and elegant? Yeah, I think I think Blades of Dark and Forge Dark games in general. I think it shares this with um, Powered by the Apocalypse games as well. Is that it's they're all fantastic genre emulators, right? So you can look at any of the influences in Blades of the Dark, like Peaky Blinders, uh, and The Wire, and stuff like that, and like almost see the mechanics on screen, right? It's like okay, that was clearly a mixed success. That was clearly an entanglement. You know, this is downtime. I think that really helps when you're translating that to other genres because, I mean, the way I tend to design games, I just, I watch a bunch of stuff that is the thing I'm trying to emulate, right? So for Merger, I watched um, Michael Clayton, which is one of my favorite movies. And like, uh, there was another one that was about the 2008 financial crisis that had a, a weird title, Margin Call. Mm-hmm. That was that. And like documentaries about it and stuff like that. And like trying to like keep track of those moments that keep happening and try to figure out a way I can slot that into the game so that when you're playing it, you are going to make those same kind of moments happen. Um, And in Fealty, it's, I don't know, we're playing with a very different system. It's the blowing outside blowing system, but like in the moves and stuff. And there's also a mechanic we have right now called the contested draw. Which is basically if there's any like if people are doing something like really risky or like is up to fate, like you're trying to like assassinate somebody or like lead a siege or you know set up a poisoning or like this huge like important uh, diplomatic action between nations, you'll have to draw cards from the deck and like um, call a certain suit. So like if me and Galen were at odds against each other, we're both trying to like have our plans of action enacted. I would name a suit, Gala names a suit, a different suit, and we pull cards from the deck until we hit one of those suits. And for every card that doesn't match one of those suits, that's more complications we have to deal with. So that can create like incoming threats. Um, there are some like clocks that are, like tick up and stuff like that. And so that's a great way of doing that kind of like um, mixed success, uh, like the seven to nine, four to five result and PBTA and forces in our games of like when you are doing something risky you are introducing more challenges and obstacles into the fiction and so that's like one of the bigger parts of like 
trying to um, grab those parts of these genres of stuff like Wolf Hall or even like Black Adder, which is another kind of like touchstone for me working on this is like nothing's ever clean. Like mm-hmm. nothing is ever like you're you're not here to be a, a a hero, right? You are here to manage an awful situation. And the fun of it is seeing how these people are changed and how the world is changed by it. Um so yeah, I think that's kind of like my influences and like how I'm trying to try to streamline the design as much as possible. And a lot of the moves uh growing out of that uh powered by the uh, the apocalypse framework and going into belonging outside of belonging and uh say in other all the other excellent uh, variations of that like wander home you're doing a lot of not just collaborative world building but collaborative character building there's a lot of uh, more so even in than in any other system and that's one of the things that really drew me to uh force in the dark and pbta and belonging outside of belonging is that everybody's kind of co-directing co-writing the story in a way that was so so different from anything i'd experienced in uh the more trad game world when i was younger and it's just uh, it it pushes you to. And I apologize to whoever said it first because it might not have been John Harper, but it was John Harper who said, "Drive your character like a stolen car." And I really always want to make games where you just thrust them in; they immediately start figuring out who they are as they play, and they know that when the session's over, when the game's over, it's okay for your character to have been dragged off to the headsman, or to have uh, perished while inciting a mob <laughs> down by the capital, because it was it was a damn good story. Yeah. Yeah. There was, we, the folks in the Blaze of Dark Discord actually did like a deep dive on that quote, trying to figure out where it came from. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I remember, I think it was originally Avery Alder. I th- it was somewhere in Monster Hearts or Monster Hearts yeah, yeah. 2. And I think that it was actually about like talking about the NPCs specifically, mm-hmm. which is a weird like how it's been like, you know, lost in translation. But yeah, very much that kind of feeling of like, I am so much more drawn to games are about having like a bad time than about mm-hmm. like heroic fantasies or wish fulfillment because i had my fill of that with D. like i don't maybe i'll go back to it at some point but like i i am much more here for like very complicated um characters that you can kind of like empathize with right like i don't i don't need to be a paladin fighting for good anymore <laughs> i want i want the the gray i want the the awful like devil's bargains and shit yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more I definitely ran way too much 5e um <laughs> you know um the oc generator and um <laughs> I, I, exactly yeah, that, that's a it's a quote from yeah. christian trell i'll make sure i always give i always give them my credit <laughs> for that um but uh i i i love games where i don't even have a name because i know i'm just gonna die you know what i mean so it's nice to uh to do something a little different um kickstarter though kickstarter mm-hmm. back at kick yes. crowdfunder kickstarter kickstarter we're going mm-hmm. to kickstarter for zine quest zine quest uh for those i mean this is why we're doing like 30 30 episodes this month uh to talk about people who are putting out great project not not this month just over the two months um oh thank god uh no we've only <laughs> worried for this, you this is only like 15 or 16 this month um uh, zine quest is coming up in february um it is you know kickstarter's um, very meager, mostly forgotten attempt to encourage uh, indie creators to put out zines and whatnot. Um, and this is what this project is for. I know that you're like, it has to be a zine, it has to be a zine. So we're doing it for Zine Quest. So come to Kickstarter, I believe. Will you tell me when? When is it actually going to be on Kickstarter? 
It is going to be on Kickstarter February 1st at, mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm going to try to push the button at 9 a.m. PST. So that's when I usually do it. So yeah, it's going to be February 1st. It's going to run for two weeks. So I'll be over uh, February 15th mm-hmm. in the evening at some point. Yeah. Gotcha. And why uh, why, uh, why a little two-weeker? Uh, that's a good question. I just, that's how I run Kickstarter mm-hmm. campaigns. <laughs> like, I don't know. I started like, I think the, the advice that was kind of floating around is like, you don't get much more in a month than you would just in two weeks anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot less like you don't have to sit with the um, anxiety of running something on Kickstarter for a whole month, which is very real. Um, the sooner it's done and funded, the sooner we can get to making it the most beautiful thing we can. Like it's it'll be good to have that phase out of the way and onto the real meat and potatoes of the job. Yeah, that that's another part. It's like it is is the sooner you end it, the sooner you get your money. Basically, like um, people I don't know, like after your Kickstarter ends, there's like a solid two weeks before you get the funds. Um, and I I do this for a living, so like I need to like make sure I have my bills paid and like rent and stuff like that. So two weeks just makes it a lot more manageable, a lot easier to plan around. Um, and yeah, that's. So what what can people expect from the Kickstarter? Are you guys going to have like a bunch of tiers and fancy stuff? Or are we keeping it nice and focused? Uh, after after talking Galen down from the uh, special like hand like embossed leather copy of the book <laughs> that he wanted. Um, yeah, it's going to be uh, three tiers, real simple. Um, I always do like a financial hardship tier. So I'll be like three or five bucks. Um, you don't have a lot to spend. You can still get the digital edition of the game. You'll get early access to it. You'll get all the updates. Um, and then you, there's a tier for just the digital version. So very similar. You get the PDF uh, through itch.io and DriveThruRPG. And also just can download it off a link I'll post on the Kickstarter. Um, again, you get like early access to early drafts and stuff like that. And then we'll have the zine tier where you'll get a incredibly gorgeous uh, printed copy of the game shipped to you anywhere in the world. Uh, in addition to the digital downloads and everything else from the previous tiers. So real simple, just three tiers, get the mm-hmm. game in various forms. That's it. Yeah. Love to hear it. Love to see it. I listen, I've only backed many hundreds of kickstarters um (laughs) and i love stuff right i love all the bits and bobs but i will say that i love a nice clean quick kickstarter um you know and i know um michael everything i've backed from you is almost always a pretty quick turnaround you get it in hand like solidly i mean there a lot of times it's like by the time the funding actually hits in two weeks you're like well i finished it so i guess i'll print it you know it's coming <laughs> yeah. up excited to get rig you know that's coming in soon as well um so it's really nice to see especially for zines and especially for zine quest you know a lot of people put a lot of money in this month specifically and since zines are quote-unquote smaller projects um it's nice to not wait three years for <laughs> for a project um, for something like this so it's what that's one of the reasons inquest is one of my favorite months of the year is just because so many great games i'm also a person if you write a 300 page book um i'm 
I'm going to buy it, but I'm probably not going to read it. And I think that 250 <laughs> pages is probably uh, superfluous. Um, I love zines. I love small games. I love how elegant you can get a system without all the stuff, because I feel like the stuff is why I play the game. I don't need you to tell it to me. Um, another reason I really love a lot of your stuff, Michael, is just because it is so um, so clean and nice, the facility as well from Galen. Um, yeah, I, I love seeing Kickstarters that are exactly what you're doing here. So it's really nice to see that once again, like a lot of the other stuff that you've done, um, you're going to continue doing what you do. Um, so it's really nice to see. Thanks. Yeah. And like another reason I love smaller projects is because it serves as a, and design quest in general is because it serves as a reminder that like, Hey, if you're an indie designer out there, you don't, your projects don't have to be like the big you know, names we all know, right? It doesn't have to be this two to 300 page <clears throat> hard cover, huge fucking thing. It can be like a 36 page scene. Like I have, I have lost count in the amount of like first time designers I've seen who was like, Hey, I have this like cool thing I'm working on. It's like 500 pages. I'm just like, make something smaller. <laughs> like you could still have your, like your big thing down the line, but like you learn so much about the process by having a small thing you can finish and get to the end of, and you can find out all the things you like, you like or might not like about doing something like this. Like you might find like, Hey, I really love layout and I hate the writing or like, Hey, I really love doing the art, but like all like trying to figure out how it all fits this stuff together. I wish I could have like someone else for that. And like you learn so much about the process and yourself by smaller projects, the faster turnaround time. And honestly, like just most people, have time for your game if it's a smaller manageable thing it's so much easier to convince other people to play a game if they can read it in a couple hours right if it doesn't remind them of like the textbooks they had to study in university right so especially if you're like an indie creator you don't have a big team with you like a zine and zine quest itself because like kickstarter really um is about its own kind of internal ecosystem. So if you can be part of an event like this, it really helps have more eyes on your project. So I'm always encouraging people make smaller games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Oh, go Galen, go for it. Yeah. I just love that. We've all been there. And I love the idea of being in that chain that somebody gets sits down in the morning when the quest begins to go again with their coffee or their tea and then accidentally spams through the six, 12 links and ends up with a pile of zines. I want to be in the middle of that and be with that, not just part of the where somebody says, ooh, that's for me, but also after they've clicked by that they still feel they've got enough remaining credit to go after some other indie creators design after that. It's, it's exciting to be a part of the whole thing, then. It's an event. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ZineQuest, especially in this space, is a huge event. I know, I know. In the last year or two, you know, Zemo popped in and popped out, and 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 Kickstarter decided to shoot themselves in the foot. But I'm glad it's back in February. I'm glad people are are really launching into it. And and you know, um, again, it's the reason we're doing as many episodes as we are. We want to talk to people like you guys who we're big fans of, who have something coming out, and want to try to make sure we get as many eyes on it as possible because you know the support for people like you doing the things that you are doing um, is what is the reason we started this show entirely. So, Yeah, thank you. And also, I just want to say a shout-out to um, you and Hunter for doing the Weekly Scroll and all these shows you do. Like, I, I have learned about so many 
games I would never have heard of because you featured it here on like a let's play or a review. Um, and you all do such a great job of like elevating indie creators and talking about their stuff. And like, like I mentioned before, like you were the one of the first people that like reviewed or even like mentioned merger outside of like me trying to like get other people to talk about it. And like that kind of like seemingly organic, like thing, like really helps creators like get some confidence and feel like they aren't screaming into the void. Cause it could be very lonely work doing this sort of thing. Um, and yeah, the weekly scroll has been absolutely fantastic in like elevating people's voices and talking about things that aren't in the mainstream. So thank you. It's been awesome seeing it and I'm glad to finally be part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's great to have you on. It's great to have you both on. I mean, we're definitely going to be talking about more and more stuff from you, from you both as we go forward from here. Um, and talking about that, do you guys, is there anything in, in the chamber for either of you? Uh, anything post fealty or are we just focusing on that right now? You are first this time, Galen. That's very fair. Uh, <laughs> far too many things, in all honesty. Uh, after uh, last year, we did that aforementioned Space Doors game, and it went quite well. So with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the other Breathless game projects, but Renegade the million, the million, million Fari RPG Breathless project, yeah. Yeah. He's such a, a little tornado of energy. Uh, yeah. But he and I are working on both a uh, a game of space combat, Actually, now it's, it's bifurcating into two different forms of that, a kind of a, a Hansel of smuggling story and a uh, Battlestar Galactica type game that uses the Breathless engine. Uh, and look for that to come sometime later this year. Other uh, than that, I've also done a little bit of art for Spencer Campbell's Luna, one of his ongoing Novaverse games that will be also coming out in this uh, February, I believe. Yeah. Beyond Did that, you do the I art on Dusk as well? I did do the art on Dusk. Is that out oh, now? Oh, yeah. I can barely I believe track. it just dropped on their store. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Spencer the cover is awesome. Just so much so quickly. It's hard to keep yeah. up with him. Awesome. Chat that, says I, it, it is out. I, I, I got to add that to my Spencer Campbell collection. It's over just off screen there. Oh, wonderful. Nice. Well, good. That, yeah. Those are a lot of fun to work on. So I'm glad to see them showing up in people's hands. How about you, Michael? Uh, yes. So other than fealty, um, yeah, we were talking a little bit about Rig. Uh, Ryan, your copy is probably... I literally have, like, hundreds of envelopes stuffed and ready to go next to my feet here, so your copy is probably in there somewhere. Um, so, yeah, I'm shipping that. It's my solo Mech Souls-like game, uh, speaking of Spencer Campbell, based on the Rune system, which I absolutely fell in love with. And so it's a game about being in a mech and fighting other mechs, and it's a lot of fun. And because the case started so well, I am also going to be doing a supplement called the Good Ship Tarot, which is like um, basically rig takes place on a far distant future of Earth called Recombinant Earth, which is all like just reduced to bones and superstructure. And so Good Ship Tarot is basically like, hey, what if you were a mech on a giant ship that has been in the stars for centuries and all the weirdness that'll be there? Um, and also I kind of want to do like maybe a multiplayer version where you get to use your mechs and fight other people's mechs, like 1v1 combat, because oh, the, uh, the, uh, 10th anniversary of Titanfall is coming up in March. So I'd love to have some stuff ready to celebrate that. Cause it's one of my absolute favorite mech video games of all time. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to work on next. 
is yeah fealty and also more more supplements and add-ons for rig hopefully yeah and then where can for for both of you guys for future projects for current projects for everything that's out right now where can people currently find uh your your stuff where can they support you yeah uh so for me uh my socials are basically all uh not writing or not writing games so i'm not writing games on twitter uh you can find my games on notwriting.itch.io. Uh, you can support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash not writing. It's the cheapest way to get my games. Dollar a month to get everything I self-publish, behind the scenes stuff. Um, and you get to vote on stuff I make. Uh, yeah, that's basically uh, where you can find me. Uh, you can find my stuff uh, at either G Peugeot on Twitter. Boy, I picked these names back before I knew I was going to be an illustrator or designer, so I apologize. Uh, and at Nightjar Games uh, on Itch, where quite a lot of them are very cheap or free if you want to try out what I make. And and obviously, again, we have these guys on the show for reasons because the stuff they make is fantastic. So you definitely want to go support that. And we'll make sure that all the links are in, you know, all of the the beneath wherever you're listening or watching this. You can just click on that easily and go, uh, go drop some support for these guys. Fealty coming out. February 1st, very excited for that. Short campaign, two weeks. Don't miss it. We'll remind everybody listening every week, um, all of our quote-unquote normal episodes every Thursday uh, during these two months. We're going to do a roundup each time to remind everyone what's still funding um, and what they should go back. Listen, thank you guys both so much for being here. Michael, like I said, we've been a supporter for a really long time. It's really great to finally have you on the show and talk. And Galen, absolutely love your work and your illustrations as well. Genuinely, really appreciate you guys being here. Thank you very Thanks. much. Um, before we go, could I like highlight a couple of other design quest things? That Please I'm do. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, I just want to mention uh, Death Game by Laurie O'Connell. Laurie O'Connell. Uh, one of my favorite designers. Um, it's like very much like a, like some kind of awful reality show. We have to kill each other for the entertainment of the rich. So very much politically aligned with fealty, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Death Game is coming out in Zion Quest. Uh, we mentioned Luna by Spencer Campbell also coming out. Um, I think there's a solo game called The Magus and the Oracle that's also coming out in Zion Quest yeah. with, from Amados, which looks, I just found out about last night. It looks incredible. Um, so just want to shout out those two uh, projects as well in the design quest family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lawyer kind of reached out. So we're definitely going to be talking about that project a little bit during one of our roundups. It looks absolutely stunning with uh, the Hodag doing some art for it. So that's definitely something yeah. you'll see uh, yeah. brought up here in the show as well. And uh, we did art from Amados before their, their layout and art is absolutely stunning. So really yeah. excited for Megas too. So those are great call outs for those. Um, but yeah, back all of those. Backfield see when it drops in like two days. If you're listening to this, hopefully I put the episode out before the first. Uh, if I didn't, uh, go go jump on it right now. Um, but again, thank you guys so much for being here. And um, and that is it for us. We will see uh, everybody later. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you very much.